Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, and this week's guest is Peter DeGraff, and Peter comes to talk with us all the way from Australia. Uh, he has a lot of pinhole cameras, he likes color, infrared film, um, and large format. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is uh, show 91, Andrew. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Good. Do, doing this a bit later than normal. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, in the UK, it's a bit later than normal for me. And our guest, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah, it's even farther along. Have you been? Have you been... Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd rather have the 9 p.m. than the 6 a.m. I don't know. I'm kind of a morning person, so that would work out for me good. <laughs> been busy? Shooting much? Hanging out? Um, partying? Caravaning? No, dark room, dark room work. Really, salt that's printing. Oh, I see. Dark room. No, not salt printing. Lift, <laughs> lift. I'm more into lift printing this year. But anyway, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's hot here, so I haven't been doing much of anything except for just carrying a camera with me and mm-hmm. normal stuff, you know. So. Yeah. But that's okay because we uh, want to have uh, a lot of time on this show to speak with our guest. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way from Sydney, a hundred kilometers north of Sydney, south, south of Sydney, south, of, <laughs> south. Peter de Graff. Yeah, did that say that right? Graff. Yep. Yeah. Hello, Peter. How are you? Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. We uh, uh, and getting up so early. Oh, that's okay. It's sort of uh, a nice time of the day, really. Mm-hmm. It's nice and quiet, and there's no. The sun's just barely come up. Uh, The sun isn't up yet. It won't be up for probably another hour yet. Uh, Is it autumn? Autumn uh, time now? We in autumn? No, it's midwinter. Midwinter, yeah. Sort of uh, Um, just after just after the winter equinox. Just a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's shortest day. Long, longest Um, for us. It's sort of. Not as long as for probably in some parts, but here it um, it gets light just after seven in the morning, and dark around five in the afternoon. Right. So, so looking uh, normally, what we do is we'll follow along our guests on Instagram account. Um, this time we're going to be following along on Peter's Flickr account because a lot of his work is there. So, uh, if you want to follow along with us, pause and go find that page if you're at home. You know. You can do that, but this is where we're going to be concentrating on uh, with this show. And Andrew, mm. where would you like to start on the albums? Of- well, because I love Peter's voice so much, I'd like him to just tell us about himself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and um, Peter, it's lovely to have you here. And uh, although when I first reached out to you, I just, um, because I don't thoroughly read things properly, I just assumed you were in uh, in Holland or somewhere, but you haven't been there since your parents left in the 50s, I know that. So wh- why don't you give us a little potted history of how you got where you are and a bit of the diverse work that you do, and we'll dive in and ask you some questions. Okay. Um, well, I'm in my early 60s, so uh, I'm moving on in years, and... Uh, and uh, my first in, sort of interest in film photography was um, when I bought a, a new Olympus mm-hmm. Trip uh, 35 in the, the 70s and took a lot of photos with that over many years. Um, and then I think in the mid-90s I became in digital, interested in digital photography very temporarily um, and then moved back to analogue photography uh, about 12 years ago um, and um, became very interested in doing things like large format photography um, and then pinhole photography. So I started, I bought a, pin, a large format camera in 2012 and um, bought various pinhole cameras on onwards from then and been experimenting with those and also experimenting with different kinds of film. Um, I particularly like using 
uh, aerochrome films. So I do those sometimes, uh, both in pinhole and in other formats. And uh, um, I particularly like using large format for making pinholes. I think that, I don't want to say it's a little bit more forgiving, but it's um, it's in large format, you, you get a bigger image and it's nice to look at and it's nicer to work with. And recently I've also started um, trying to use a, um, a device I bought from a guy in Lithuania which has nine pinholes on it. Which it's like a pinhole shut. Oh, you got was that vigorous? Vigorous is that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does yeah, grand so glass. I, I buy my grand glass from him as well. Ah, so I started experimenting with that and doing what I call tele pinhole, but also trying to do pinhole macro uh, because I've always really liked macro photography, uh, particularly in large format for things like flowers and uh, shells and things like that. So. Um, and I guess, look, on, on, on the, the Flickr page, you'll see that there's just some a uh, couple of photos I've done with um, really di um, an island sort of that's at the, in a distance. And you can see all the little birds on it um, around in the water. And it's, it's really very uh, – I'm really liking the, the, the imagery that comes out with um, this sort of – using long-distance um, pinhole. It sort of really changes the whole thing in, in a way. So, When you said aerochrome, is that the colour infrared? Or I thinking, think, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, colour infrared, which is... There's a guy in um, Germany who... I can't remember his name. I found it will come to me. Uh, a guy in Germany who, who has been selling it for a number of years and... Um, I think he's starting to run out of it now, but I've been buying Aerochrome from him for uh, nearly 10 years now. Um, and it's a, it's sort of a nice thing to experiment with. Um, and I've tended to use it more on travel photography, um, but I, t I took some with me to, to India 18 months ago and did some pinhole images. Yeah, I actually made plate made mostly pinhole images in India rather than anything else. So um, it, it sort of the, the aerochrome does funny things and it's very unexpected. It's really hard to predict what it's going to do in terms of the colour palette. You're just going to so, go for it. Um, you just got to go for it. And it tends to work better when there's um, sunnier skies um, it doesn't really like overcast very much, but that's not saying that it doesn't work in those conditions, but it, it's a funny film. It's very temperamental. Do you use that with pinhole or is that just with your pretty much lens? No, on, on my, on, on the, the Flickr page, if you scroll down, Taj Mahal. Bit, you'll see Taj that... Mahal, um, Corey, first picture I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. with a pinhole camera of it. I think no, no one ever takes a pinhole camera to India, do they? <laughs> Well, I took three. I took no, one, two, three. Four, I took four no. to to India with me. Fantastic. And, um, so I was taking mainly uh, Buddhist sites, but yeah, I, I went and we went to past the Taj Mahal. I took some pictures of the Taj Mahal in uh, in uh, Aerochrome of all things, and it's quite magic. You know, I, I had come up with this idea at one point that I wanted to to do these great photographic icons um, in Aerochrome. And particularly photographic icons that have been done by other people like Ansel Adams. And I it infuriated this mm. guy. He was so angry and he knew Ansel Adams and no, you can't do that, you know, like his picture, you know, like it was just really very funny. And I, I, my view was that Ansel Adams wouldn't have cared. Yeah. But, no, um, he shot anyway. colour as well. But, I don't think he shot aerochrome, but he certainly shot colour. I've got a book of his colour photos. No. Yeah, so I've done a bit of aerochrome here and there. There's not a lot of it because it's obviously it's um, very. Um, well, I use it sparingly, um, but I still have a little bit in the fridge. I've got some uh, large uh, four by five sheets which I've been saving. I want to use them for a trip to Uluru eventually, but um, but they um, th they they can be quite. Uh, 
unexpected in the outcomes. And I did a whole, on the page you'll see, on the Flickr page you'll see if you scroll down a bit, I think it's on the second page there, that there's actually some which I did at uh, not just at Taj Mahal but at Bodh Gaya at, uh, where the Buddha had his enlightenment underneath the mm. Bodhi tree, which was for me very very exciting. Right. So, And then there's a number of other images there too which are uh, taken with uh, in Portra, uh, one using Portra, but with a, a four by five pinhole, which is uh, it's a very it's a nice little compact lightweight four by five pinhole, nice to carry so around. So you're doing uh, film film holders with that. It's not like a box in box design. You're loading. No, no, I use yeah. film holders, um, and um, depending which camera I'm using, like if I'm using one of the box pinholes, um, I've got a couple of different ones. Um, I've bought some of the... There's a fellow in Ukraine, I think, Ranika, he makes, mm-hmm. makes them. I bought all his, pro, I bought all his prototypes. Mm. So I'm always looking for a bargain, you know, like a... So I bought some of those, and um, I like his little 4x5 camera, uh, which is... It's just because it's yeah. light. It's really, really light. And also um, the way that the the film holder slots into the back, um, locks in. It's not a you're not having to use rubber right. bands, um, which is which is nice. But my my preference generally would be to do four by five pinholes with my four by five camera, uh, like my four by five large format camera. And um, I use a Chamonix camera. I used to have a Toyo, but it got uh, stolen at the back of my car. And I, I love that camera, but it got taken. So now I, I use a Chamonix instead. But I've, I've always liked the idea of um, using a large format camera, which you can um, both use large format lenses with, but also pinholes with. Um, and also using, um, oh, I use uh, what they call the, the, I use uh, not just um, the, fil- the 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 double dark sides, but the Graflex film holders that hold six bits of film in them, so that you can take multiple mm. images. It's it's sort of a bit faster, right. you know. So cool. sometimes. Do you make your own pinhole yeah. for the large format camera, Peter? Or? No, I, I've, I I tend to buy them. I'm not very I'm not really a handy person, so to speak. Um, so uh, I don't tend to make things myself. The last thing I tried to make was, uh, cig- what do you call them, cigar box guitars, <laughs> but that was a long, a long time ago. And I just, um, I don't have the... It's been a long time since I've stuck a pinhole on the large format camera. I, yeah. I, when, I, when I backed the Intrepid camera, the Mark One, that came with a, that came with a pinhole, yeah. and when I eventually sold the, the the Intrepid, and now I have a Toyo as well, and but I kept okay. the pinhole mounted in the board, so um, I keep looking at it. I thought I must give that another another go because it was uh, it's a, a nice way a nice way to yeah. shoot to shoot pinhole. I think it is, I think it is a nice way. And what I did going back a few years was I bought a, I got. Um, a little 90 mil, what what would be equivalent to 90 to 120 millimeter size pinhole. I think it was a, it's, um, a skink pinhole. And what I did was I, I put it into a, a little copal, um, a little copal one shutter, and um, locked it into there, and took the lenses out. It was just a it was a, it was a little. There's a little Schneider uh, 90 millimeter, a very old one from the 1950s, which um, I've had other lenses which were similar. So I took the lenses out and put the pinhole in it, and then I, I got a, I put a thing at the back of it so I can put a filter in, but so it wouldn't get um, shining metal onto it. Um, and from inside the shutter, and one of the things I like about using um, a proper shutter on a pinhole is it gives you the option of actually, you know, like a quarter second Mm. or half a second times, which can be a bit hard to sort of judge 
And I had this idea, which I've never been able to sort of bring to, to, to um, what do you call it, to fruition, but I, I, I'm still working on it. And this idea of being able to take pinhole images with really fast film, like 3200 film, and, but taking it of the sea and retaining the dynamic action of the waves, like not doing a, a photo blurred. of the sea with, um, you know, that's always giving you the mm -hmm. blurred, you know, that blurred sort of, you know, like foggy, whited out, Michael Kenner sort mm -hmm. of look, you know. And I thought, oh, it'd be really interesting to, to, to try and do that. And the one or two times, I even tried doing, um, using, a, uh, what do you call it? Um, instant film the, um, at, you know, the 3,000 uh, ISO instant film and using that to take people surfing um, with a pinhole using the Schneider shutter, figuring that if I had the film fast enough, I could um, actually then do a pinhole without losing too much of the... Um, by, by keeping the dynamic action in. Which I thought was a fun idea, but it's it's a bit harder to pull the pull. Yeah, off, it seems like it is. It's a nice way to, yeah. But the other thing I've noticed, which I like too, is um, taking images with reflective surfaces, particularly like water that's reflective, rather than sort of the waves and that kind of stuff, and uh, taking photos with uh, reflective waves or reflective surfaces, so that you get more of a a picture of the eddying that's taking place yeah, in the, the swirling, water, which is quite nice as well. Yeah, the swirling, which is quite nice. It's it's a bit different, you cool. know. So yeah, anyway. wow. You have one of your biggest. Well, one of your biggest folders is just called water, isn't it? I don't know whether that's all. Yeah, that's a mixture I, I, I was, of cameras, is it? I don't know if that's pinhole on it. That it is a mixture of things. I was asked to do a. Um, yeah, it's got 172 yeah. photos in it. Um, I was asked to do. Um, I was asked to do a. Um, oh, to to put some photos into a zine called Shai Zen uh, by a fellow who's he's in South Carolina too. And he lives on a yacht, um, and I can't remember his name. I found it how dreadful of me, uh, and he he wanted to do some. Uh, of my water images and with the water images some of them are pinholes some of them are, are large formats some are other things but there's a variety of different things so yeah we just kept losing you a little bit um, there peter hopefully the connection so if you can try and stay keep your head still is probably the best thing <laughs> <laughs> all right did you get that little bit of uh, missing of peter there Corey? just a little bit but it wasn't much not too bad was it, was it okay, no. yeah so you've been to Yosemite, I see, and you've stood under El Capitan, as I have. Yeah, yeah that, that was amazing. Um, the, the weekend we went there was like peak uh, autumn, and we didn't realise, like, oh, there's so many people there trying to get autumn yeah, leaves. Kind of... um, yeah, it's, it, it really is magical. But uh, I t uh, from there we went to Death Valley, yeah, and I've got to say I love Death <laughs> Uh, I love Death Valley. I think it's just the most amazing place. And we spent a week there. It was just beautiful. We, we were there in the oh. middle of, right at the end of July, early August, the worst possible time. Oh, oh. I can imagine it'd be really hot. Yeah. Oh, so. Like being in the outback here. Yeah. No. Death, Death Valley in July and August is, no. it's, it's death. It is. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun as well because you don't, you just don't stop sweating even in air conditioned rooms. Death Valley out in my backyard right now, we're hitting almost 100 degrees. So, yeah, oh wow, humid. So you travel, you travel a lot, Peter. Are you still traveling widely, different parts of the world? Well, I'd like to. We were supposed to come to uh, Scotland and then. We had planned to go to a Scotland in April for three mm. weeks and then to Ireland for Pinhole, World Pinhole Photography Day uh, to the meet-up in Dublin. But um, basically what's happened is with the pandemic, the Australian government uh, is 
effectively banned Australians from travelling overseas, which is not a bad idea. Um, I think it's pretty popularly supported. And anyone coming into the country has to undergo two weeks quarantine and a lot of the airlines are sitting on the tarmac. So I don't think... I think the only place we might be going for a few years is to New Zealand. Mm. Um, But the advantage for us is that the infection rates are very, very low here. Um, And we're not sort of experiencing some of the problems which other countries have experienced. So, um, well, I guess we just have to wait and see what happens. But at this stage, they're not talking about lifting the ban on travel for us uh, overseas until possibly July next year. Yeah. Wow. Well, they've moved. So they're they're pretty serious, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think we had two weeks quarantine announced by the government, but they're backtracking now and and Mm. they're just so scared of the economy failing. Yeah. Well, I think that the the problem which which you have is you've got to make that decision whether to early on to to um, to really do what Australia and New Zealand did, which is to really just lock down. Mm-hmm. and to, to control the the environment which the virus is coming into. Or if you think that the economy is more important, then really what it means is you've forgotten that um, economies don't exist without people. Yeah. So one of the problems that some countries are facing is that they're saying, oh, the economy is more important, the economy is important. So it's like some kind of entity in its own right. But... but Economies only exist with people, so if people can't work because they're sick or people are dying <coughs> and it's causing a massive strain on the system, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be just worse. And what's happening here is the economy's actually restarted. So. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Excuse me. <laughs> yep, yep. So the, the economy's picking up here, and uh, I, I think that... Um, we're, 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 we're large, we can be large, Australia can be largely self-sufficient in terms of food and goods and things like that if it needs to be. So I think that we're in a, in a fairly well-placed. Yeah. But I, I think we're not seeing some of the madness which is going on elsewhere. How so. long have you been shooting with the, um, the Ranica 8x10? I bought that last year. Um, so I bought that, I think, probably in the middle of last year. And I've made a few images with it. Not a lot, because I find that it's one of those things you, with 8 by 10 you need to be economical yeah. with. Um, it's sort of, an ex, it's sort of a rather expensive format. Um, and um, 4 by 5 is good. But I also have been shooting with... Um, I bought a, a lensless 5 by 7 which was on, I saw on the large format photography group. Uh, so I bought it secondhand from somebody, and it's a nice little camera yeah. too. So, yeah, I um, I like. I've been looking at his cameras too, the the Ranicas. Um, yeah, I like them. They're they're sort of an interesting design. Um, the eight by ten. It's the first one which I've got. The four by five has has a slight problem with it, which I think he's worked to resolve. Which always is the, the issue of how you open the pin pinhole up, right? Um, with the, the how the shutter works, but he's changed the design on it, and it's more like the design which is now on the eight by ten. I think that most pinhole cameras don't resolve the issue very well. Um, you need for the to be able to to have the you have the pinhole being exposed without your hands getting in the way. If you want to do really oh, fast exposures, you do. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. And and if you're living somewhere like we do, where often you your exposure times are just one or two seconds, uh, because the light's pretty bright mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, um, we don't have a lot of cloudy days, so. Yeah. Um, it, it, it creates a whole lot of series of different challenges. Yeah. Peter? Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, Andrew doesn't have to worry about that because he's all doom and gloom all the time. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, winter's nice for us because you get, um, what's it called? Winter, it's, it's sort of you do get cloudy days and you can slow down your images to 10 right. seconds or 20 seconds or a couple, of, a couple of minutes. You know, I did one the other day. It was a 14-minute exposure. Right. But those, it's sort of like a lot of the time you, you can be dealing with um, fairly quick exposures. So it can really, you have to be really careful. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so you... Um... You have an undo, a zero. What's your favorite? I have, uh, well, <laughs> whatever you have with you. <laughs> uh, tends to be, I tell you what, the one I really like the best is um, uh, maybe not the best, but I do like using and taking with me. And that's the, the Holger, the Holger 120. Mm. And uh, funnily enough, I bought it in London because um, I. I had that was in 2017 we were in london i was with london with my son and i thought oh i desperately wanted a pinhole camera with me and uh so i went and bought a holger and uh i love it i reckon it's the the most amazing camera um and it's um the, the two things i like about it i think is one the the relation between the pinhole and the film plane is really good. Um, so it's like a 50 millimeter. So it's a bit like a street photography camera. Sure. In a sense. Um, but also I get fabulous um, flares with it. It just loves, I love shooting that ca that camera into the sun. Does does it have, is uh, the uh, shutter release like a regular holder? From the pinhole on the pinhole. Uh, yeah, yes, it is. But I modded it, so I got one of those things that you can um, you attach over the top of it that you can use a cable. I have one of those too. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It slides right over it. Yeah, and but when I first used it, when I first started using, it, I didn't have that, so it was just sort of a, a question of doing really fast exposures right. um, and like shooting into the sun for trying to judge what half a second was. Hmm. And I got this fabulous image. I loved it, and uh, of um, of Stonehenge, and it's Stonehenge with a, a, a um, with a flare, almost in a perfect ring, sitting around Stone oh, Stonehenge. Cool. And it is. It was really cool. And I always call it the, um, um, call it the diamond exploding light of the of the body satvers. Um and uh, because it's just like you know how you know how it creates a ring when you get a nice flare and it's like um, very diamondy. It's all these little diamonds yeah. of light, and um, so they're particularly with color film they work quite well. And I did a series of them down at um, at the Twelve Apostles on the Victorian coast, and I got it was at Often with the 12 Apostles, when you're taking photos at 12 Apostles, if it's at sunset, you, you're shooting into the sun. Are they standing? So the sun, uh, sorry, Peter, are they, what are they, standing stones or the 12 Apostles? Yeah, they're standing, they're standing rocks that are uh, sitting along the coastline. Okay. And um, so hang on, let me find it. Because while you were talking, I was looking in your 120 PC album. Is it in there? I don't know. I'm not sure. There are some upright stones, but I don't think it's those. Um, I was particularly drawn to the one I keep staring at is one called the Fork Left Behind. Oh, yeah, uh, that's... The Raleigh Infrared and 25 Filter. That's a beautiful image. Okay. So I've, I've, diver one... I've diverted you from your... Uh, no, no, <laughs> that's okay. No, okay. Now, that image is... Um... Oh, I didn't put... I don't think I put the... Uh, I know why I didn't do it. Okay. The image which is of the um, the the fork left behind is actually a tree stump. And it's just uh, shot never, not very far from here. Um, we, we are on the coast and then above us we've got an escarpment which rises up to 1,500, 2,000 feet right behind us. Um, and... At the top of it, it's very flat, and so it's really windy up there. Um, and it's 
really affects the shape of the, the trees and all sorts of things. And then beneath the escarpment at the top, there's very, very dense, um, very dense rainforest. So it's quite a sort of interesting place to take photos. But that forklift behind was taken up there. And um, one of the things which is really nice about the taking images up there, because it's so windy, you get all that sort of fluffiness in the trees blowing right. around. Wispy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a sort of double exposure with clouds, but that's actually the behind. tree. No, the that's, the tree the tr that's, that's all, all the trees. And because, you know, the eucalypts um, have that shape where you've got sort of these limbs which can be all over the place and then these sort of like um, almost bonnets of uh, leaves, when they catch the wind, they, everything really moves around and it's, um, it's, yeah, it looks like a double exposure, but it's not. It's two, the wind. Two images, one, uh, one, two, three images past that one. Peter, there's an image of, looks like you've shot with Aerochrome, and it's titled The Gorge. Yep, yep. Where's that at? Okay, let me see. It looks like... Oh, I know where that is. Um, okay, that was uh, taken at, uh, at the top of Mount Buffalo uh, in Victoria. Oh. Right, now, one of, one of the groups I participate in, and they're is um, a group called Friends of Photography Film Group, which is uh, in Melbourne, which is sort of about eight hour, hours drive south of here. And it's the capital of Victoria in Melbourne. And there's a, a really lovely group of uh, film photographers in Melbourne and they all connect really well. And um, I know that you sort of sometimes see Shane Booth uh, making comments and things. Mm -hmm. Shane's in that group and... Um, another guy called David Tatnell who convenes the group and they do an exhibition once a year in Melbourne and they have meetups all around Victoria and I'd been to a few of their meetups and I had been down to Melbourne for the exhibition and on the way back we stopped at um, Mount Buffalo and it's just it's really um, fabulous like um, where that photo is taken and at is it about 4,000 feet above sea level dropping down into the valley below, which is not that, obviously it's not 4,000. But it's quite a, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really nice drop off. Cool. So, it looks like somewhere in North Carolina actually looks just like uh, the way the topography is and this kind of smaller trees and vegetation. That's why I was asking. Yeah, yeah. Well, once you get a higher up onto the snow line and it snows there, uh, the trees obviously yeah, get a bit sure. smaller, and in Vic in Victoria they have a lot of granite. Mm -hmm. um, here, behind us, um, everything is sandstone, including the mountains, and um, there's a little bit of granite around us. And it's not until you get sort of really another uh, two hundred kilometres south that the big um, that all the granite really starts, which goes into the snowy mountains. Cool. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. this image that people can see that Corey's talking about the gorge and Mount, Mount Buffalo um, folks listening it's in Peter's Holger uh, 120 uh, album uh, camera album that's it <laughs> yeah. Peter it's a colour infrared Soviet colour infrared film so yeah, that's some a, of it okay. that's different to yeah. the aerochrome but similar sort of it's a similar. It's it's very similar in terms of the characteristics of it. Mm. I don't mind it actually because it's in a way easier to work with uh, because it's a C forty one film. Mm. Uh -huh. um, so Aerochrome is um, is a E six, yeah. uh, which I don't mind. I, I sort of have over times developed my own color film, and I don't mind developing E six. The process is quite good. Um, it's just an extra step. Um, and it's not as fast as C41. You always feel you're really rushing. Um, but it, it's got a nice uh, nice quality to it um, the, with the, um, the, the Russian, the Soviet. It seems like it has a bit more uh, grain. Colour infrared. Yeah, it's a little bit more grainy. It, um, the, the sky colours are slightly different to uh, the other aerochrome. Um, it doesn't – it's not as um, – is oh, I don't want to say vibrant, but um, aerochrome can be really, really Punch, yeah. in your face <laughs> with the colours. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, yeah. When when you get it right, you get it right, and when you get it wrong, you get it wrong. But um, the aerochrome can be really quite nice. Do you shoot this through so. a coloured filter? Yeah, you need a um, with the aerochrome. You need to use either a it's a yellow twelve, which cuts out the blue light, mm. or a, an orange. One of the high, I think it's an orange twenty three, which also cuts out blue light. Mm. So, would you say you're you constantly return to nature for most of your images? Is that is that the bonding sort of common theme for most of your pinhole work? Yeah, pretty much. I, I sort of um, my my wife laughs at me like I'll be out taking a photo and I'll get really frustrated because somebody walks into my image <laughs> and I'll be uh, and I'll be sort of waving at them, get out, get out, you know, like I, I was here first, you know, like sort of thing. And, and I don't know whether it's because people see you've got this uh, camera set up and they think, oh, I'm sure that he wants me in there in his image or something, you know, some human. And I'm sort of get out, get out, or and uh, you know, like you're telling them to 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 duck down behind a bush or something, so I can't see. It's not so bad with pinhole, is it? So I, I no. I've just seen two images, right? Yeah, that I love, and they've got people in, and they're in India, and yeah, yeah. there are color pictures. There's one called Another Morning. Where are you, Andrew? I'm in Peter's album called Large Format Pinholes. Okay, and on the first page so this is a mixture of peter's large format pinhole work different cameras mm -hmm. if you go down um a dozen or so rows there's one called another morning with a street scene with some red flags yeah and people yes some busyness of people and the, some movement of the ships and and i love yeah. city, i love cityscapes like this and this is you know what are the challenges that you faced in india with pinhole cameras did you cause much uh, commotion or um, yeah, a lot of interest um, <laughs> at times. Um, one of the things I've got to say that I find very, was for me very disappointing about India, but also about Europe in general and England, is the restrictions which are placed on tripods. Really? So, you know, you think you're from Australia, you're going to rock up and go into some um, famous place and they go, no, you can't take your tripod. Mm. Mm. So, um, and even little sort of tiny handheld tripods that you get, no, no, we'll take that off you, thanks. Um, so for me, that was quite problematic, uh, particularly sort of in archaeological sites and very famous sites where I wanted to take images. Uh, and it's the same in the UK and um, at various places in in parts of Europe and I don't know about the United States, but um, anyway, those images that you're talking about, we're taking it on the Ghats in Varanasi. Uh, and it was early in the morning and we'd gone down for the sunrise and, um, and it was just starting to come alive. Um, and there are a few people around, not a lot of people. I think both the exposures were about 25 seconds. Right. Um, and both taken uh, in four by five with the Ranika, and both you all using Portra. Uh, That's a and a, the colours are just the colours are just really soft and subdued, and there's a little bit of popping from the red, but not too much. It's, and, it's beautiful, and that, and that Portra's work really well in the. And the but more to the point, I just googled Ranika's camera and came up with. Uh, I guess the guy selling them on his Etsy. Mm -hmm. Store, I think eBay too. Good value, aren't they? Well, I've, I've seen one on the Etsy, so I'm looking at the Ranica Premium or however you pronounce it, four by five. 59, yeah. 59 pounds 91 of your English sterlings, VAT included plus postage, and it's got a little <laughs> comes with a little wooden pinhole calculator on the back, yeah. And yeah. well, this is shown as a, like a little separate wheel. Um, oh, yeah. Peter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got one of those. On the 8x10, it's got the pinhole wheel in the, the back, back of it. So I've seen these before, and but I, I just it's interesting to have you on and remind myself what uh, cool cameras these are. because So the dark slide actually just slops in like 
feeding into a letterbox. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. It slides into the back and then it locks into place. The way it's sort of got a spring-loaded mechanism, so the dark slide goes down and then is held against it. So it locks in. So there's uh, it eliminates the problem of light, light leakage. And right. it's just a matter of making sure it's nice and Good. stable on tripod. Good. Goodness me, I can't. I, I shouldn't buy any more. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, not this month. Yeah, why not? Not this month. And the one, what I did with what I did with my one is I, I got a uh, a oh, what do you call it a step up yeah. ring, uh-huh. which I glued to the front of it so yeah. I could put um, filters on it yeah. uh, for if I'm doing sort of you know like uh, images. Infra- infrared, either black or white or colour. Did you, um, now normally those step-up rings come with a thread on it. When I had one and glued it to the front of my Holger wide, I took a hacksaw and cut off the smaller thread so you ended up with a flat uh, surface. Uh, no, I, I didn't, I've got to say I didn't really worry about that because it yeah. fitted it. I got one that was going to fit into the hole at the front. Oh, did you? Oh, uh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got a step-up ring that... Uh, I measured the width of the, the, the front of it and then just got a step-up ring which was uh, suitable for it so it's nice and flat and then oh, okay. making sure also too that it didn't impact with the um, – didn't impact Image. on the um, the shutter mechanism. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Well, no, Vin. So what's the finished filter that you screw into? What what's, what size is it? Uh, well, then I, I put a second step-up ring on it uh-huh. which uh-huh. allows me to <laughs> – I know it sounds complicated, but it's not. Um, I put a second step up ring on it, which then allows me to use either fo- either forty eight millimeter, no fifty two millimeter, or fifty eight, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of fifty eight and fifty two um, filters. Mm-hmm. It looks to be oh, ang- oh, I see. It's got angle of view written on it. Mm. Yeah. Ninety. They're quite neat. They're quite neat, and they're really light. Mm. Like they're super, super light, <laughs> uh, and that's what I like about it. I mean, obviously, if you're travelling somewhere, you want something that doesn't weigh much. So it's light, and it doesn't weigh much more than a holder. So, and it seems to have quite a nice perspective as well. It offers you a nice perspective of the scene. It's uh... yeah, it, it does. Um, not not it doesn't appear to be super wide, but. Yeah. No, I think it's about 80 millimetres so, uh, to the film from the pinhole. So. Very nice. Yeah. That's the trouble of having you people on here showing me these cameras. Ah. <laughs> well, one of the things which I think uh, I mean, I've also got a, what do you call it, a zip. I don't know how I said that really badly. I didn't mean it that way. I've got a zero image, 4 by 5 as well. But I've only got the twenty-five millimeter part. Sorry, did I you, bought it. I lost you again. There was that the zero four mm-hmm. five. Yeah, I've got the yeah. zero four five, but I've mm. only got the basic one, yeah, so which is I. just the twenty. That's super wide, isn't it? That's super wide, and it's super super wide, and it's sort of almost, and it's sort of. I, what I do is I shoot it with a uh, a, a four by five um, film holder on the back, like a you know what do you call it, a roll film holder. So I use a six by nine roll film holder on it oh, instead. Okay, okay. I never thought of which, doing that. Yeah, well, the advantage of that is it actually brings the images more into perspective. Mm. Because what I find is when they're really super wide, they, you just lose something. Um, they don't. Uh, how can I put it? I like it being super wide. I like really ultra wide images, but sometimes I just like it a bit more. How can I put it? A bit more perspective, which is a bit just uh, more what the eye sees. That four by five that yeah. James makes was super duper wide too. It's, it's probably close to the same as uh, as as the zero was. So close that you really had to yeah. pay attention to uh, giving it some more time and extra stop or two because if you don't, you'd have crazy vignetting on it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a couple of inches in the middle would. Have, be your picture and everything else would just be black the last four or five pinhole shots i made a few weeks ago were with mike walker's uh, titan mm-hmm. pinhole but i and the beauty of that of course is you can swap the cones around as you know Corey, and maybe Peter. Yeah, yeah. i don't know if you're familiar with mike's cameras i'm familiar with it but i've never used one. and so i've got yeah. the 
the super wide cone. I've also got the one that's kind of in the middle, 110 millimeter, and that does give a, a more of a tighter, you know, yeah. uh, human human eye view. And I was using that just recently, and I, and I sometimes you just want to. Move, I just want to move away from the super wide, sort of almost yeah. stereotypical pinhole shots, which I love. Don't get me wrong, but I like something a bit longer at times, you know. And uh, I think that shot in India with the Ranica is. Um, it's just the sort of thing that I'd got in yeah. mind. Yeah, well, it's a nice. It was also to the. It was a perfect environment for taking the photos because there weren't too many people yet. People were sort of going. A lot of people just ignore you because they're getting on with their life, and um, and you obviously get some interest, but the the nice thing about it is is the way everything's laid out physically, like the size of the steps going down, everything like that, it's just perfect. It was just perfect for that size imagery. Um, I actually took some other images of the same thing with um, zero image one three five, and I I think the four by five image is much nicer. Mm -hmm. so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Some of your other work on your website is um, not well. Certainly, it's not all pinhole. So we can stray a little bit because yeah. we, we were talking just before we started recording. I know Corey was particularly looking at the body of work you put together with shell yep. shell fragments. So these are a series of individual shell images that you can see in Peter's album, all shot on a black background with large format. Is that right? Peter? Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Um, I did a a whole series i bought a little um you can buy what they call copy lenses and it was a 75 millimeter copy lens i'll tell you i can't remember the, um oh like um what um you see them sometimes like a tominum um copy lens and they're 50 75 millimeter ones mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you can what i did was they usually come in like a a copal or Pontus shutter, and I was using those to take um, macro photos of broken shells. And um, really, a lot of the shells fragments were very small, some a bit larger. Um, and the magnifications often were um, sometimes just two, but often, often they'll be four or five. Um, magnification, you know, factor. And it's just really achieved by um, getting your bellows length uh, right and also by the distance of the, the lens above the shell. So you're... Um, so you can re really adjust it using the so tripod. So you're, you're going past one-to-one one and you're getting into like one-to-four, one-to-five, that close? Yeah, 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 I yeah do, absolutely. Uh, I like macro too. I don't do it with film. I do it with my, my digital camera and... Uh, yeah, I can, I can get to about one to two um, with my lens. That's all I can do. So I couldn't imagine getting in. So you're okay. saying this copy lens is something, did you say either 50 or 70 mil? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole lot of, you can find them um, on, you know, I, what I did was before I, I started doing it, I did a bit of research on uh, the large for, format forum, forum and large and they, what I found was that by doing a bit of research, I realised that, well, you don't have to go out and buy specifically um, a really expensive macro lens. That, in fact, the, you can actually buy these little um, copy mm -hmm. lenses. Um, and what they have is a very, very um, flat, narrow uh, depth of field to oh. them. So if you're shooting something which is you're sitting above it and you're you you've got a fairly thin depth of field with a shell anyway, um, so you're not when when put it this way, when the the, the if you're setting the the lens to f twenty two, you're not getting much of a depth of field to it. Mm -hmm. Like the depth of field's wafer thin. Yeah. 
uh, what you're really getting is just some sharpness. In fact, I found that a lot of the best images um, in terms of clarity probably um, were probably F11 or F8. Um, and that I also use that lens on the large format camera in the field for taking photos of wildflowers and setting the tripod up above the wildflower and hoping that it, there's not wind, yeah. no wind. Um, yeah, that's a real yeah. problem. But um, but it's a nice thing to do. And because the depth of field is so thin um, or so narrow that if you're using a black background, you get really nice blackness yeah. because um, the texture of the black background drops away. Mm. Everything falls away. So all you're really left with is yeah. the shell. Um, and I did a whole series of them, both flowers, and then I, I did a whole series of um, broken shells I'd found down here. We had a, a really big storm here during um, 2016 where we had waves of, off the coast here sort of hitting 13 wow. metres, which is sort of like the size of a three-storey building, uh, and it changed all the shell middens and all the shells on the coastline. And I went down and I happened to go down a week later and I was finding the most amazing things. You know, like I found a stingray tooth and little bones and all sorts of things which had been, obviously could have been there for a really long time. And on the coast here, there's shell middens going back 6,000 years which were from um, the first people. Wow. So um, this is one of the areas that has got very, very long um, Histories, huh? Yeah, really long history of habitation where people are sort of uh, both hunting and then living on the coast and uh, fishing and eating shellfish. So there's a lot of shell middens and they're just perfect for taking photographs of them. Yeah. So I often go and collect shells. I Lately I've started collecting leaves as well. Like um, I've become quite fascinated by the shape of leaves. Um, and I, I've sometimes you get these really nice spirally leaves, <laughs> which sounds crazy. But, yeah. um, so, um, and one of the things I want to do is, um, which I've slightly been working at, is I want to do a pinhole series of leaves and shells and stones, but I want to do it in colour film because I think it will pull out the colours better. Whatever floats your boat. Like in black... Sorry. I was going to say whatever you know gets you up in the morning, leaves or shells or yeah, yeah. <laughs> sunrises. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Well, you've been sharing some, I think, shell pinhole close-ups in uh, some of the Flickr groups. I think haven't you? Did I see those? Yeah, I, uh, I, look, I just oh, did some. Two, oh, pebbles, pebbles. That was it with your chamonix. Yeah. So those are uh, with the feathers. Um, with the long, um, there's some of the experimenting with uh, just trying to get the, uh, the, the, the macro pinhole size right. Because, um, and I think that probably what I'll do is go for something around 150 millimeters. Um, I was doing some, you know, like testing whether, you know, like trying it at 150 millimeters, yeah. 300 millimeters, 200. You can't um, really see the image on the ground glass. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> see, you can't see it. So I'm going. All right, I'm going to have to test this, and uh, and also to um, the height of the pinhole above the um, above the object, which I think is probably going to work best again at about a, at about 100 to 150. Uh, if it's too close, it doesn't work. So. Um, I've been doing some experiments with that and um, unlike the large format where with a large format copy lens that you can get a really high level of detail and the intricacy of the detail in the photo with the, the pinhole, what I really want to do is try and work on uh, the colour imagery and the sort of the abstraction of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think the close-up pinhole, which is not anything I've ever seen before, um, but looking at these ones in black and white, I can imagine, because with black and white, you look, I'm, I'm just constant, my eyes constantly searching for detail, which 
really isn't there. But yeah. with the colour, with the colour, that's going to add another layer to these images, isn't it? You're going to get some yeah. beautiful well, pictures, I think, with colour. And with those two stones that you're talking about, the two pebbles, yeah. um, they were quite... Um, one of them was um, a stone which was sort of uh, a mottled sort of black and green, and the other stone was sort of blackened uh, yellows, and they're all very mottled uh, colours. And you can see the mottling in the stone itself in the black and white, but really what I'm interested in is just trying to get the right... Um, what I'm working on is trying to get the right distance mm. Um, so then I can um, do it in colour and then try and get some nice imagery in the colour. And again, with the other image, which you can see where I've done a shell and a leaf and a stone and a feather, which is really just sort of an, um, a still more of a, a still life arrangement. Yeah. But one of the things I, I, I look for in stones is the markings. Um, and also I'm loving the, all these really curled leaves from the gum trees. So. Is that what it is, that curved leaf? Yeah, it's a, just from eucalypt. But for some reason, some of them really get almost like, um, become almost circular in the curving, and they dry like that. And you go, how did that happen? You know, like, why? Uh, so. And you shared some of your shell pictures. You exhibited those at the Reveller um, yeah, in twenty seven. Yeah, in 2017, I did a series... Um, of 13 which were exhibited at Reveler, um, which was nice. I went, we went to Barcelona for it. And then my two children saved up and they came too. So we, we had a, um, an apartment in Barcelona. Mm. And then that was, that was really nice. I really liked it. Nice. So, uh, and then met a whole lot of other people there who were doing um, all sorts of photography. I, I just, look, Reveler's fantastic. Um, um, if you get a chance to go, you should because it's sort of like a huge party of photography. Like people, it's, a, it's the only time I've ever been to somewhere where it's like it's not just a festival, it's like a party right. and people are having a really great time and, you know, and um, they they do, you know, the huge community paellas and <laughs> it's really it's really cool. It's really fabulous. So. Get your passport application in, Corey. By the time... Uh, Everything's cleared up. Maybe I can go by, somewhere. <laughs> by, the time you're pre by the time your president has defeated coronavirus, <laughs> you'll be able to go overseas. <laughs> Travel abroad. <laughs> see, yeah. how we, see how we keep trying to get him on politics, Peter, yeah. but he keeps changing yeah. the subject back to pinhole We're cameras. And politics. Well, uh, I... I, I Look, can I say to you, I can't blame him. You know, like if I was, in, <laughs> if I if I was in the, living in the United States, I'd be trying to change the subject too. You know, so. And I I love the United States. I've been several times, and I just want to go again, but there's no way. You know, not at the better wait a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, my my wife and I we've been a couple of times. I love the the national parks in the West. You know, like we just we go to the national parks. We don't go to the cities. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, we've no, been a few. Yeah, definitely. Well, I did both. I mean, I went to Yosemite, went to San Francisco, met up with some fantastic people. We went to Death Valley, right up into Moab, and then yeah, yeah, ended up at San Diego after about twenty-three days. Fantastic. Yeah. We, oh, would, look, we I, would have I, met in Dublin, in Dublin, wouldn't we? You see, I was yeah, that's right. In Dublin as that's well. right. Yeah. And it, well, it's I scheduled tried... for next year, but I don't. Whether it'll I don't know if we'll I don't, get, I don't know if we'll, they'll let us out of the country yet. Yeah. But uh, and I was hoping to see Moni Smith there. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, we we went to Oregon and we spent a day with oh, Moni cool. up in Mount Hood. So that that was really nice. Hi and Moni. I've we known saw, her for. Well, they for came a, over to America. To America. They came over to uh, Norwich. To, yeah, yeah. Three years ago, four years ago, or whenever it was. So it was really fun to turn up at Norwich Cathedral and some faces I recognised and everyone had name badges on and I just saw people ah. I've been friends with on Twitter yeah. and Facebook and things for years and yeah, it was yeah. just so brilliant isn't it to meet yeah. up with people like that it is it is yeah like I, I was sort of disappointed with that we couldn't go to Ireland because one I'd been hoping to see Moni again and I met Moni through 52 roles going back yeah. um, seven, or, seven or so years ago but also uh, Inga from Den Haag yep. and, mm -hmm. and Todd Schlemmer as well. So oh, I've got I've got hoot, I've it? got one of to, I've got a Todd camera here that Todd made for me in one of his early Terrapins. Mm -hmm. so, yep. 
Yeah, I was shooting yeah. with my I was shooting with my terrapin just the other day. Yeah, I have uh, yeah. Oh, a box turtle in it. I use that all the time too. Yeah, I love the terrapin. It's great, um, and it's got the two different uh, focal lengths on it. So it's got the thirty-five millimeter oh, and the, okay. the fifty millimeter. It's a one twenty, yeah. but it. It's got the two focal lengths, which is nice. I tend to use the 50. I bet you don't have that camera, do you, Andrew? Nope. <laughs> no, I've got my heart, I've got my eye on the Rannick at 4.5, but that might have to wait till later <laughs> in the year. I put it on my Christmas wish list, I think. Maybe an eight by ten. I might, I might be looking at those. No, no, I've got, I've got that um, James Gurin's mm. prototype eight by ten, as you know, and but I've only got one. 8x10 film holder. My only problem with the 8x10 uh, is that if I go to 8x10, uh, developing doesn't get too much of a hassle. I'll just have to kind of set up something with the orange light, you know, and do uh, a... Yeah, I don't even know if I can... If Ilford makes the uh, um, ortho film in 8x10. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm not sure. if they do or not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just stay at 4x5. 4x5 um, is I'll a perfect you, size for contact prints, too. It's like just big enough to see, and you can actually like make a little picture with it. You know? Well, <laughs> a lot of people say 5x7 is, yeah. but um, you know, four, there's a lot of advantages over 4x5. I don't have a 5x7 camera anymore. I sent it. I got rid of it. I know you did. Yeah. You gave it to somebody. Yep, I did. Yeah. It was given to me. You're on to. So, I know yeah. it was. Yeah. I only, uh, yeah. I got, uh, just got in. I covered the price for the film holders and some extra film, a couple of boxes of film, you know. I just kind of re- recouped those those costs, but I, uh, yeah, I sent it to Mike. Mike yeah. Rattle. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Rattle. Yeah, I, he did. I was chatting to him on Messenger and I, I told him to um, not give you any money for it because you'd given it, you'd got given it <laughs> yeah. free. I told him that right off the bat. I said, hey, I'm just trying to. I gave him almost a, a whole box of um, direct positive, the Harman 5x7, oh, right. and then a, yeah. Yeah. a box of FP4 that I probably shot four or five piece, shoots of sheets of film out of. So, yeah, I got a good deal. Tell you, I, I was shooting orthochromatic, orthochromatic film this um, this weekend. Well, in fact, it wasn't orthochromatic film. It was orthochromatic Glass plates. Oh, I saw those. I was uh, shooting. Yeah. In my in my Rolleiflex camera. Where did I see you post that at? Did uh, you post that somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Negative positives, I think. Uh, mm. And um, yeah, ISO twenty five, very contrasty emulsion, and uh, I, I made a print in the darkroom on uh, grade zero. And even that, and it's still popping with contrast, even at grade zero, but. It's so much fun just having a piece of glass with an image on it. <laughs> you feel like a rebel, a real out, well, a real outcast. Yeah. I won't. Um, I won't try and rig it up to shoot <laughs> pinhole. You're gonna have plenty of time to be messing around with that here in a couple of months, huh? Mm-hmm. End of the year. Andrew's planning on getting a neck tattoo, Peter, when he retires. So that's that's his thing. He's going to say salt print across his neck in big giant letters. It's going to go all the way around. No, I've fallen fallen out of love with salt print. Oh, you shouldn't, man. That's your thing. Come on. Yeah, no, no. Lith printing has got my my interest at the moment. Cool. Have you done any lith lith printing, Peter? Are you? No. I've got a friend in um, San Francisco who does, Amanda Tomlin, who does... um, Lift printing and a whole sort of whole range of printing. I'm not much of a printer. Uh, I mean, I develop my own film, but I'm not much of a printer. So yeah, I'm. I like contact printing because uh, I can put the contrast filter right down with the with the negative in the paper and just one quick little thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I enjoyed printing, but if you don't have, if you're not able to have a controlled environment where you can reproduce your results like a proper darkroom, you know, contact printing is a little yeah, easier. Yeah. You just need a light and somewhere dark, you know, and you're kind of good, but, um, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's fun. Yep. All right, Andrew. Well, mm. 10 past 10 yeah. now. So 
Se- be tucking myself up in bed 7 a.m. for a beer. <laughs> He's just getting ready to crank up the 7 a.m. Yeah. Or, you, or, yeah, are you off, off you with want. your pinhole camera today, Peter? Are you off with your pinhole camera today? I'm actually going to scan some images I made the other day. So, yeah, um, right. What uh, scanner just, are you uh, using for your 4.5? Is it one of the Epson scanners? Uh, yeah, I use an Epson. I think it's, it's an Epson uh, V700. Mm-hmm. So I use an Epson. I've had it for, I don't know, five, six years now. So. Cool. Uh, cool. Excellent. All right. And Well. All right. Well, thank you both very yeah. much for having me on the show. Thanks for coming, and, Peter. Uh, no, it's been, it's, not, it's, it's been nice talking, yeah. Oh, just lost you there, Peter, right at the end. Are you still there, mate? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said uh, thank you very much for having <laughs> me and... I've enjoyed talking with you both, and it's been very nice early in the morning. So. And you're our first Antipodean guest. I used that phrase in the Lensless Podcast <laughs> Facebook group, and apparently I taught somebody a new word. I didn't think word. it was. So, yeah. Yes. I think we've just about... There was another... Corey, sorry. There was another... There was an Australian pinhole photographer, a lady, wasn't there, that we started talking to? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I can't remember. And we it's got, been a while. We got, we got completely muddled up on the... Um, timelines yeah. not like this so but now we've oh. done it we should reach out to yeah. her again and i've forgotten i have forgotten to go back and look at my messages yeah. because i can't remember it's been a while do you know do you remember the conversation i do um it's not dorothy if you're listening uh, if you're listening gosh, no remember. not dorothy Kloss. No no. no 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 i have to go look no. we're coming after you mm. yeah <laughs> anyway peter wonderful thank yeah. you so much for joining us and well, thank you for lovely, having me. Um, lovely to speak right. to you and for exposing yeah. us to yet more camera choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find Peter if you want to take a second and let everybody know where they can catch up with you uh, on Instagram and um, Flickr. Uh, well, I'm on Instagram and Flickr and Facebook, and I'm just under my own name, so just Peter DeGraff. Cool. Yep. So. And uh, you know where to find me. Yeah, yeah, and me. me. You won't want to find Andrew, but you know where he's at if you, if you need to. <laughs> Can do. Cool. Okay, well, yeah, Peter, thanks for coming and giving us uh, your early morning time. And it's been really, uh, really fun talking with you. All right. Okay, my pleasure. Okay. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay, cheers. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.